Genesis chapter 3 this morning as we look back at the text that we uh, spent time seeing last week in Genesis chapter 3, but this morning we're going to see something a little bit different, more specific I'll say. Um, last week we looked just through the chapter of Genesis 3 and we saw the fall of man. We looked and we saw uh, the sin that Adam and Eve committed, we saw uh, the rebellion against God. We saw the consequences of that sin both for them and for us. We also saw, saw how God has redeemed us from the consequences of sin, both their sin and our sin through Jesus Christ. This morning I want us to look back at something that we intentionally were vague about, skipped over pretty quickly last week, but I think is an important thing for us to be aware of as we're warned about it more than one time in the Scriptures and that is the serpent that we see here in Genesis chapter 3. An opponent, a foe of ours, as you'll see as we go through the text today. Three things I want you to see about this serpent. I want us to see who he is. I want us to see how he operates. And I also want us to see how it is that he is defeated. If we see those things, I think we will have done well. Um, I'll start out by telling you that uh, yesterday, uh, Dan Presley... Um, said that, that he didn't think that I could preach for over an hour. He challenged me to do that. Some of you are laughing, some of you are not. That's Don, that's not Dan. <laughs> Don't give him a bad, bad look this morning. I also want to say that I noticed this morning that y'all can get excited at church. Y'all clapped because the road was paved, folks. Now, if y'all clapped because the road was paved, if nothing else, when we get to how this serpent is defeated through Jesus Christ, you may not clap, but I at least expect to see y'all smile this morning. All right, let's look at this text together. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And I want to stop here for a moment because... Here in this introductory verse to the chapter, we see a couple of things that should pique your interest. If they didn't, let me point them out, see if they might. The first thing that we see here is a snake that is talking. Obviously, that should pique your interest, right? The snake is talking to Eve. And we also see a description about this snake or about this serpent that says that he is more crafty than any other beast of the field. Now, when I see these two things, that, that somebody is being ranked in some way above all of the other things in its class, and when I see an animal that's talking to a human, I think we immediately should be asking the question, who is this serpent? What is it that is so different about this serpent? And that's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to begin by seeing who is the serpent that we see here in verse 1. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, in this chapter, he's never referred to as anything other than the serpent. So what we need to be able to do is to look somewhere else in Scripture for clarity about what you suspect and I suspect who this serpent is, but we want to be clear about who it is. And so in Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, we read this. It says, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, 
who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So here we have very clearly given to us by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, we have made very clear and plain to us who the ancient serpent is. The ancient serpent that we see here in Genesis chapter 3, he says there in verse 9, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. And in that description, we see a lot of things about the serpent. We see a lot of things about Satan. Now, I will immediately try and dispel what may have popped into your mind. We're not talking here uh, about a red guy with a long tail and a pitchfork and horns. We're not talking about a cartoon character. We're not talking about something that is a myth that was made up by Hollywood. We're talking about a real, not person, but a real angel, fallen angel, one that does have authority and power over at least some of the angels. We see, as it was referred to here, the dragon and his angels. We see somebody that is truly an opponent to us. So if you're thinking that, that Satan is just a cartoon character, that he's just a joke, throw that out because that's not the truth of who this serpent is. What we see here, just in the names that we usually call him, we usually either call him the devil or we call him Satan. And in that we see a lot because the word Satan itself wasn't originally a proper noun. Now that is a proper noun now. That's who we call him. We call him Satan as if that's his name. But it comes from the Hebrew word that means adversary. So his name literally means adversary or opponent or enemy and in that we see who this serpent in Genesis chapter 3 is this serpent in Genesis chapter 3 is the enemy of Adam and Eve is the enemy of you and the enemy of me and he is the one that contends with us and he is the one that opposes all the things that belong to God that is who this serpent is and we see that taking place here look back in Genesis chapter says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here we see Satan in the form of a serpent. So Satan has embodied, has taken the form of a serpent. He is here in a deceitful way, in, in a way that would not be alarming to Adam and Eve. They have obviously seen serpents. This is one of God's creations. Adam has named all these animals. So seeing the serpent isn't scary, so he deceitfully comes to them in a way that would disarm them. And then he talks to them. And in his talking, he begins to deceive, and he begins to lie, and he begins to manipulate Adam and Eve toward a terrible end. You see... He is trying his best here to convince Adam and Eve to rebel against God. That's what he's doing. If I'm wrapping it up in a nutshell, what he's doing, this is what he's doing. He knows the authority of God. right? If you have been an angel, you have been in heaven, you have seen the glory of God, you have been created by God, the devil knows the authority of God, and he knows that there are consequences 
for rebelling against God. He himself has been cast out of heaven. He knows the consequences. He knows that there are serious consequences for going against the authority of God, and that's exactly what he's trying to get Adam and Eve to do here. He's trying to get them. They have one command to obey. Do not eat of that one fruit. That's the only thing that they've been told that they can't do. Do not eat of this fruit, of this tree. And the one thing that he's trying to get them to do is to eat of the fruit from that tree. Satan is showing us here who he is. He is the enemy of the people of God. He is the enemy of the teachings of God. Point one this morning, Satan is the adversary of all that is good and all that is God's. If there is something that is good as God has created it good, if there is something that is God's that belongs to God, then Satan is the adversary of that thing. He is the opponent of that thing. He is the one that wants to bring down whatever that thing is, and we see it here very clearly with Adam and Eve. He's trying his best to bring them to a very terrible end. He wants them to deal with the consequences of sin and rebellion against God. Now, one, there are two things this morning that as I've looked at this this week, I told Dr. Bob this earlier this week as we were talking about this text, there are two things that I think that we do with Satan. Most of us will in one way or the other fall into one of these categories or either at times you have been in one and times you've been in the other. But the first one that we see here is underestimating Satan. A lot of Christians do that. We just kind of blow him off. He's not a big deal, right? He, he's, he's just just Satan. He's just something for people that have trouble uh, with self-control. He's, he's not that big of a deal. We think of him as this cartoon character. We think of him as this little guy on our shoulder who can't really harm us. But what we need to be careful in that common error is we need to be careful not to underestimate Satan because here are some of the things that we read about Satan in Scripture. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now that in and of itself should make you very particular to not underestimate. If I tell you that you have an enemy who is going around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, and I say, be sober-minded, be watchful, be careful, know that he's there, then immediately you should be careful and be on guard against that person. Scripture tells us that. In John 12, 31, Jesus refers to him as the ruler of this world. There is a certain amount of authority that Satan has in the time that we live in. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, we are told, as we see here in Revelation 12, that he has angels, fallen angels, but he has angels that work under him. As Colton read for us earlier, we see that God has given us the whole armor of God. Why are we given that? Why are we told to put that on? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Brothers and sisters, we have to recognize that he is an opponent and that he is a strong opponent. He is a crafty opponent. He is a well-practiced opponent. He's been around longer than we've been around. He's been doing the same thing for longer than we've been trying to avoid what he's doing. Do not underestimate Satan. Do not think 
that he can't trick you, that he could get everybody else, that he may be smarter than them, but not me. Because some of us are there, and when we're there, we're in a very vulnerable spot. He is real. He's not a cartoon character. He is really smart and really crafty. He is harmful. And he often isn't recognized. So the next thing that I want us to see is not only the fact that he's real and that we should watch out for him, I want us to see how he operates. Because any of you that have ever uh, tried to coach any sports or any of you that have ever served in, in the military and had to study military tactics in any way, many of you understand this, that when you know how your opponent works, when you know what they're going to do. Several years ago, I heard a brother uh, a fellow pastor preached about Satan one time, and, and he used this analogy. I thought it was a good one. You know, several years ago, uh, the New England Patriots, it, it, it kind of the rise of their dynasty that they've had for a while, were caught stealing the plays from other teams. Right? They were recording practices or filming practices or taking plays, and they had the other teams plays and if you go back and watch some of the game some of those games you'll see very quickly that when you know what the other team is going to do it makes it very easy to defend what the other team is going to do well brothers and sisters the bible gives us satan's playbook right god is clear he shows us how satan operates and so if we will just recognize what he does and be watchful against that it will be much well-versed, much more well-versed to defend ourselves from the schemes that he has. We see it here in a couple of different places. In verse 1, we see him saying to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Which we know that's not what God said. He's manipulating God's words there. And in verse 5, he does something similar. He says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In these two verses, what he's doing is he's manipulating. He's deceiving Adam and Eve. He's trying to, to twist God's words around and possibly confuse them. And he's also, in verse 5, doing something that's very dangerous. You need to be careful because many of us, I would say all of us at one time, have fallen for this trick, this specific one. He says, Adam, Eve, listen to me. God just wants you to stay away from that tree because God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. What Satan does is he takes something that he thinks would be tempting and he dangles it right out there in front of them. He says, that fruit? You're not supposed to eat that fruit? No, no, no. God only told you to stay away from that fruit because if you have that fruit, you'll be like God yourself. And he's tempting them. Of course, it seems tempting to hear that if I do this, that I will be like God. I will know good and evil. I will be more self-sufficient. I can be more independent. And in this chapter, we see the playbook of Satan. Not only deceit and manipulation in verses 1 and 5, but in verse 4, we see the what I would say the crux of his playbook. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die which is a lie. Now, it's not just deceit. It's not just manipulation. It's a flat lie because we know that when they ate of it, we saw this last week, when they ate that fruit, they did die. 
Now, it wasn't a physical death. It was a spiritual death. But they did die. They were separated from God. They were sent out of the garden. They were cut off by their sin. We see that clearly. Satan knew. He knows the consequences of sin. He knows the consequences of rebellion against God. He was in heaven with God as the angels, and then he was banished from it. He was separated from God because he rebelled against God. He knows that this is a lie, and he tells it anyways. Point two, Satan is the father of lies. And I take that from Jesus in John 8, 33 and 34. He himself says Satan is the father of lies. Because how do you get somebody to do something that they know is going to be bad for them? You lie to them and tell them it's not going to be bad for them. Stop me if you've heard this one before. Because not only did it get Adam and Eve, we say, oh, how could they fall for that? Not only did it get Adam and Eve, it gets me and you as well. You ever heard this one? It's not that big of a deal. It's really not going to be that bad. There aren't going to be that many consequences. What about this one? Nobody else will ever know it. Nobody will ever even know that you did it. It's just fine. What about it'll be fun? It'll feel good. What about you deserve this? If y'all ever fail for any of those, this is, this is his playbook. I'm giving it to you. We see it. For here, for, for them, it was the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. For us, it's all sorts of things. All sorts of things that he dangles out there in front of us and says, this, this, this extramarital relationship or this premarital physical relationship, it's going to feel so good. You deserve this. You deserve more than what you've been getting. You deserve somebody that cares for you more than your spouse cares for you. And your spouse will never know it. They'll never know it. It won't even won't be a big deal. It'll only be this one time and you'll enjoy it so much. And I think that there have probably been men and women who have thought about those lies over and over as they were sitting in court losing their spouse, losing their children, losing their families because they gave in to these temptations, these lies from the father of lies. What about, it's not really that addictive. It's not really, this pill, this drink, this drug, it's not that addictive. I know that's what they say, but it's not really that big of a deal. It just helps you relax. You'll just feel good, and it'll just take the edge off. And I know that some people... I think this is one that he likes to use for us a lot because we're very prideful people. I know that some people probably get addicted to it and have all those problems, but not you. Oh, not you. You're smarter than them. You're stronger than them. They may get addicted, but not you. It'll just be for a little bit, and you can quit whenever you want to because you're better than all the rest of them. I think that there have been people that had to face their parents or their spouse. There have been people that have sat in rehab or in prison and thought about those lies over and over and over. And there are big ones, things that we call big ones. There are little ones. Look, it's not, it's not telling, it's not gossip. It's just telling something that happened. That's all you're doing. You're not gossiping, right? Whenever it comes to, to our eating and our health, it's just one more burger, shake, fries, whatever. It's not really a lie if it makes somebody happy, is it? Lie after lie after lie. Why 
why do you think Jesus calls him the father of lies? That's his playbook. That's what he does. But here's how we need to be aware of this. We need to know what this book says. We need to know what God's commands say. We need to know what his commands are, and we need to recognize this. Anything that goes against those commands is not good for me. I don't care how it's packaged. I don't care how it's presented. I don't care what lie it comes with. God gives us commands to protect us and to protect his glory and his reputation. So here's the choice you can make next time when I know what the Bible says, but I know how this is being presented to me. This command was given to me from the God that made me out of nothing in his image, who knit me together in my mother's womb, who gave his son to die in my place to redeem me from my sin, who loves me with an immeasurable, unending love. He has given me this command. And the father of lies, who is a murderer, who Jesus says has been a murderer since the beginning, who is seeking someone to devour, is the one that's tempting me to do this. When you put it that way, brothers and sisters, the decision becomes a lot easier. But all too often we forget how loving God is. And we fall for, I think, part of what Adam and Eve fell for here. God doesn't love you. If God loved you, he'd let you eat that fruit. If God really wanted you to be happy, he'd let you eat that fruit and he would let you have everything that you want. But that, brothers and sisters, is a lie. Because God gives us commands that keep us from the things that will destroy us. And if you don't believe it, then go down to the jail and ask those brothers and sisters down there, how many of you plan to end up here when you started on this journey? Go to the divorce court. Go to uh, children, the custody court. Go to all these different places. Go to the rehab. Go to the rehab center and ask those people there, how many of you bought the, bought the lie that it was just going to be one time and now you're here? How many of you bought the lie that this was going to feel good and nobody would ever know and now you're here? If you don't believe me, if you don't believe God's word, go ask and see for yourself. We are told that Satan is real. That Satan is really crafty. That Satan will lie. We see it clearly in scripture. We know that he's going to do it. I pray that we will guard against it. The last thing that we need to see this morning, how is it that Satan is defeated? If he's such a strong opponent, which he is, if he is a real adversary, which he is, how is it that he is defeated? Look with me in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It says, I will put, this is God speaking to the serpent, giving him his punishment. I will put enmity between you and the woman, And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And we saw last week how this alludes to the gospel message of Christ being the offspring of a woman and crushing the head of Satan. We saw that picture. I also want to show it to you this way in Romans chapter 16. Taking this this text right here of the crushing of the head of Satan or the bruising of the head of Satan. In Romans chapter 16, Paul says this in verses 19 and 20. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. How is it that Satan is defeated? Through Jesus Christ. Through the offspring of the woman. That is how Satan is defeated. Not because you are strong enough. Not because you are smart enough. Not because I'm strong enough. Not because I'm smart enough. Because if we're operating on our own outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, outside of the help of Jesus Christ, outside of the authority of God's word, we're not going to win that battle. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you are a lost person and you are trying to defeat Satan without the help of Jesus Christ, you are going to lose. You are not stronger than him. You are not smarter than him. He is, honestly, a strong opponent. But point three is this. Satan is not God, and he's not like God either. Satan is not God, and he's not like God. I told you there are two things that we do. Sometimes we underestimate Satan, but sometimes we overestimate Satan. Sometimes we think of him in the same capacity that we think of God, but he's not God, and he's not like God. He was created by God. He was an angel created by God, just like everything else created by God. He's not God. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't know your thoughts. He's not God. He's not everywhere. He's not omnipresent. He's not here and there and everywhere all of the time. He doesn't have that ability. God has that ability. He's not all-powerful. If you're a Christian and, and you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, He cannot take over your body and make you do things against your will. He can't do that. He doesn't have that power because through Jesus Christ, we have been set free from the power of Satan. Jesus lived the perfect life that we didn't, and He died the perfect death in our place. And when we respond in faith to that, when we make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, Satan no longer has power over us. Now, all of a sudden, because I have Christ in me, because I have Christ on my side, I'm stronger than Satan. Now, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you're smarter. But now that I have the commands of God, now that I know how Satan operates, now I'm smart enough to stand against the schemes of the devil. Because through Jesus Christ, Satan is defeated once and for all. So don't underestimate him and think that he's not real but don't overestimate him and give me this either whenever you sin and you do something and people say the devil made me do it don't come in here with that because he can't make you do it if you're a Christian that was your decision to take part in that sin and we need to own that we need to understand that God has given me the ability to say no to any temptation that comes my way no matter how he dangles it, no matter how he packages it, no matter how he presents it, no matter how good it seems, you can say no, brothers and sisters. Don't underestimate him, but don't overestimate him either. I wanted to share this. I heard this years ago from a pastor, and this has always stuck with me. Martin Luther, many of you know Martin Luther, one of the reformers of the early church. Uh, had these dreams, and in some dreams he would deal with as if he were battling Satan. And this one specific one that I think shows so well this point says that he was sleeping one night and he had a very vivid dream. Said that in the dream he could see Satan coming to him with a long list. And on this list, it had all of the sins that Martin Luther had committed. Every one of them said as he looks at them, he knew that he had done all of those, that every one of those were true. Those were sins that he had committed. And the list was very long and said that in the dream, Satan was sneering, that he was laughing at Martin Luther about this. 
and said Martin Luther then in the dream thought and said Satan that's true I've committed every one of those sins but I also want you to take a red pen and right across the middle of it I want you to write something it says the blood of Jesus Christ God's son cleanses me from all sin if y'all wanted to clap there's a place it's not about the pavement brothers and sisters right here the blood of Jesus Christ God's son cleanses me from all sin I'm not any longer guilty of any sins because of Jesus Christ Satan can't accuse me of anything because of Jesus Christ now all of a sudden I have the Holy Spirit and I'm stronger than the temptations of Satan he can't make me do anything why because of Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is the one that defeats Satan go look in Matthew chapter 4 when Satan tempts Jesus who wins Jesus go look at the cross go look at the empty tomb go read the book of Revelation who wins Jesus wins every one of them and he tells us in James 4 7 we're told that if we will submit ourselves to God and resist the devil that he will flee he cannot make us do anything brothers and sisters I want us to understand today that this serpent is real that he's not just a snake that he can disguise himself that he makes the sins that we're tempted to do come in disguise and look more beautiful than they are but brothers and sisters whenever he brings you anything that goes against God's word you have to understand that that thing is not going to be good for you not even one time that he brings you things that he knows will separate you from God he brings you things and offers them to you things that he knows will tear your family apart that will ruin your witness that will not work for the glory of God when he brings you any temptation that goes against God's word recognize what it is and say no we have to be diligent about that and through Jesus Christ we've been given the ability to do that if you're here this morning and you do not have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you have never responded in faith to him his blood does not cover all of your sins understand this that if you were to die today that because of that long list of sins that you are guilty of that there is no hope that you have not won that you will be sent to hell that you will be separated from God forever and ever but today the offering of salvation has been made offered to you it's been made free and available to you through Jesus Christ if you have questions about that what it means to respond to Christ in faith what it means to make him Lord I would love as much as anything to answer those questions but also, if you're here and you're a Christian, I pray that if you've been underestimating Satan and giving in to temptations too much because of it, I pray that you'd recognize that. You'd recognize the opponent and you would recognize his tactics. If you've been overestimating him and you've been sinning and putting it all on him, well, the devil made me do it, that you would give that up and that you would recognize that you are the one that God has given the ability to say no to those sins and that you would do that. I want to invite you to stand this morning we're going to have a time of invitation when you can respond. You can respond by uh, singing where you are. You can respond by coming and making something public if you need to do that. You can come and pray at these altars. You can pray where you're standing. But this morning, as we have a hymn of invitation, I'm going to ask that you would respond the way that the Lord calls you to.
had Brother, Brother Randall lead us in a hymn of invitation. Would be seated for just a moment. I have a couple of announcements for you this morning. Thank you very much, Brother Randall. If you have your bulletins, uh, you can pay attention. Some of these are in there. Uh, but if you didn't catch what Brother Shane said earlier, we do have those VBS cards that we gave to the kids. There's some on the table in the back. Uh, pick one of those up. Give those to somebody at work, somebody at the ballpark, a friend. Uh, invite them to bring their children and to join us at Vacation Bible School. We would love to have as many children as we can uh, to share the gospel with and teach about the glory of God uh, during that week in June. Also, next week is homecoming. Our homecoming service is going to be next Sunday morning. Uh, Brother Danny Forrest is going to be coming back and, and preaching and, and sharing and spending time with us. And I know that that's something that will be very special for a lot of you. So please make sure that you're aware that that's homecoming. Please try to be here. But also, uh, we are expecting a, a good crowd to come for homecoming. And many of them will be traveling and won't be able to bring food. So if you're some of our home folks that are going to be here that could bring food, uh, please bring plenty of food. Uh, you can drop that off at the gym before you come over here. And we will have dinner on the grounds. We will have lunch together after the morning service. So our schedule for the morning will be everything like normal. We'll have Sunday school. We'll have our homecoming service. But we will have lunch together afterwards. So make plans to stay for that. And if you're able to bring food and maybe even a little bit of extra food, please do that. Uh, we have our Center for Pregnancy Choices of Lawrence County. If you haven't noticed, in the back over to your left, we have... Uh, the baby bottles that you can take and put loose change in there. If you don't really care uh, to deal with loose change, if you wanted to just put uh, some cash or a check in there, you can do that. But if you would take one of those and fill that up or fill it up part of the way, and whenever you do, bring it back, and we'll get those back to the CPC. All of that money goes uh, to support the Center for Pregnancy Choices. Uh, Mrs. Seal that's over there uh, and their team, they do a wonderful job. They are very gracious and mean a lot to a lot of women in our area. If that's something that you could support, we would appreciate that very much. One other announcement, it's something new. Uh, we already hit on it a little bit today, that school is out. I know for most of you, if not all of you, school is out. But what is everybody's favorite class in school? It's PE, right? Right? All right, so not everybody's, but a lot of the kids' favorite class is PE. We don't want them to have to go all summer without that. So we're going to have something very similar, but we're going to have BE. 
that stands for Bible education, but it's also going to be done with physical education. Uh, this summer, on Thursday mornings at 9.30, if, you have, uh, if you're off or able to bring your child or if your children uh, have a sitter that's staying with them or somebody nearby, have them come. We're going to meet over at the softball field as long as it's not raining. We'll meet at the gym any Thursday that it's raining. But we're going to meet over there at 9.30 in the morning. Uh, I'm going to have a lesson for the kids, and then after we get done with the Bible lesson, we'll have some games, and we'll spend some time there together. Uh, mothers, fathers, grandparents, if you would like to come, uh, that's a time that you might spend with some of the other uh, parents that are going to be here and, and hang out with them. But we're going to do that on Thursdays this summer. We'll start this week. Uh, so if you are available to bring your kids or have them come for that, come Thursdays at 930 as we have BE with Coach Kilpatrick. Um, one other thing, Jonathan, if you would, come on down. You're the next contestant. Uh, Jonathan Burns, many of y'all know Jonathan Burns and uh, have known him as we were talking uh, about him. He shared with me that he has felt led, that he would come and, and move his membership. Summer's membership is still here at Mount Zion, and he's felt led. This is where they feel like they uh, call home. This is a home church, and many of you are very special to them. And, uh, and so as we're talking, I was, I was asking him in kind of an interview some questions. I said, well, do you have any questions for me? I know you've been coming here longer than I've been coming here, um, but, but we're really excited uh, about him coming. So he comes this morning requesting membership uh, his his letter is either at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church uh, in Virginia Beats uh, or at, at Pleasant Hill Pleasant Hill right so he comes uh, requesting membership by transfer of letter uh, from Atlantic Shores via Pleasant Hill Baptist Church uh, and we'll work out the details of which one to send to get his membership uh, those are both Baptist churches he comes he professes Christ as his Lord and Savior he has followed and believers' baptism. So what is the desire of the church as he comes seeking membership? Do we have a motion to accept him this morning? We have a motion. Do we have a second? All right. All in favor, if you would, say we love you. We do. We do love you, brother, and we're thankful to have you. I'm going to let his family come down uh, and be with him. And as they come down in just a moment after we dismiss, if you would come and uh, shake their hands and hug their neck and let them know how excited that we are, that, that even though he's been a part of the family, that it's official as his membership being here. Are there any other announcements that need to be made this morning? At 6 o'clock, there's a youth crawfish boil this evening. That's going to be uh, at the Watson's home, so come and enjoy that. There may be some people here saying, what's the age to be a youth? <laughs> uh, so you know if you're a youth, uh, come and, and join them. I know there'll be a lot of fun over there. They did say the preacher could come as well, so I'm excited about that. Thank you, brother. Any others? Okay, if not, if y'all would stand, uh, Brother Nick, if you would dismiss us this morning with a word of prayer. <laughs>